I'm Dan. And I'm Alice. This podcast is actually going to be something of a different format from what it usually is. Rather than researching a ton, I'll actually be explaining my experiences as a person who identifies as aromantic and asexual. This is for the benefit of people who feel like they might fall under either of these or both of them, people who want to support a loved one who does identify with these terms, or just anyone who wants to know more about like what these things mean yeah, and what, what they are. What does it mean to be aeroace? <laughs> yeah, or just like anything like that. We just want to create a comfortable environment for people to learn new things, regardless of who they are or why they want to understand this section of the LGBTQ plus community. To start, I think it's important for me to say my experiences don't cover everyone's experiences. There's a very wide variety of people who identify as either aromantic or asexual or both. And, and you definitely fall on the extreme of that, I think. Yeah. The thing is, I'm just one person <laughs> and I'm just yeah. explaining my experiences. And so I don't want to take away from anyone else's. It's nice to just hear from someone who does know about it and is actually comfortable talking about yeah. it. Personally, like, I grew up with very accepting parents and an environment where, like, LGBTQ plus people were well represented and accepted. So I never, like, truly felt the need to, like, hide it. Uh, and this has led me to be very comfortable with who I am. And obviously I have times of insecurity and all that stuff. But I am told I exude a certain amount of energy and self-confidence that helps other people feel like they can be confident. And it does help me that I want to exude such an energy that I'm like, all right can't not be confident with myself. <laughs> yeah, and I know from personal experience that you've always uh, really been very open about your sexual and romantic orientation for quite a while. Yeah. Um, you really aren't ashamed to hide that in like public or friends and that sort of thing, and I think that that's very admirable. It's not something I'm really afraid of, and I always had people to like support me. No one has ever been explicitly rude to me about it, or if they have, I haven't noticed. I'm not very good at telling that sort of thing. One common question that many people probably have is, what does asexuality actually mean? Do you never have sexual urges, or do you ever like to have sex? Asexuality is when you don't have any sexual urges for anyone, and this can present in different ways. And I want to say this is how I understand it. If you want to know more, I would suggest researching it. So I know that they're sex positive, so people who don't necessarily feel sexual urges, but they might seek out sexual relationships for a variety of reasons, whether because like romantic relationships generally have them, but they are still asexual. And then they're sex neutral, so people who are fine with having sexual relationships, but they don't necessarily seek it out or want it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then there's sex negative, so people who are not comfortable with performing sexual activity. So this is where I personally lay. I would like to specify that I am not actually really against the prospect of sex, and personally I don't really have any opinion on whether anyone should do it before marriage or anything like that, because I don't really care. It's not my business. I'm not bothered by people doing it because it's not really my problem. It doesn't affect me, so I don't care. Probably everyone can have that mentality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's just that I personally don't want to be in any situation where I'm expected to perform or witness sexual activity. Which does make sense, and I've personally noted your aversion to like any mention or content with sexual activity, and I know it's often common for some people like kids, you know, to feel grossed out when they see their parents kiss or just random people kiss or really perform any sexual activities in general. So kind of just taking that as an analogy that hopefully more people can kind of relate to. 
you know, what is that extent like for you? So does the boundary for a virgin start with kissing or does it start with making out or does it start with seeing people have sex? And, you know, how might that differ for you versus other people? Personally, I'm just really awkward as a human being. <laughs> um, and sex and stuff, it just makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm pretty okay with just like a kiss or whatever. But if people are like straight up making out, then I start feeling kind of awkward. Just like, oh, hmm. I believe. <laughs> Can I, uh, let's see, get out? Um, so I'm just, like, with those sort of things, I'm more likely to just avert my eyes and probably try and get kind of out of the area and stuff. Just because I'm, it makes me feel awkward, you know, kind of like the third wheel almost, but, like, mm. just kind of sitting there like, hmm, oh no. And I think that the, uh, children analogy is actually a pretty good one. It just feels like I've never really grown out, out of, of that. that. Yeah, and I mean, I know that some people who do experience sexual urges, they still feel a little uncomfortable when they see other people, like, making out a lot. I'm personally one of those people, but, you know. Yeah, and I think it definitely depends. Like, some people are just more comfortable with mm -hmm. it, depending on how much they've been exposed as children or, like, just in general. And yeah. I think that I definitely can't speak for everyone sex positive and sex neutral. It's probably, it depends on who they are, how comfortable they are with everything. It honestly just probably depends. I'm not totally sure about that. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, everyone's personal experience is different. Mm -hmm. Going off of that, what is the difference between asexuality and gray sexuality? And would some of those presentations like sex positive or sex neutral technically be considered or called gray sexual? Asexuality is kind of part of the gray sexual spectrum. Fair enough. Obviously, sexuality is just a spectrum in general. Yeah. And I think that gray sexuality is kind of just on the far side where it's kind of like people who are less, they don't have that many sexual urges. They're not like super, super interested. And so the very far side is like sex negative asexual. Yeah. Um, and then there's like uh, sex neutral asexual. Yeah. Um, and then like uh, sex, sex positive. positive asexual. Yeah. And then there's like demisexuality, yeah. which is for anyone who doesn't know, you have to know someone usually it's just like the specific circumstances so i know that most commonly it's knowing someone like i knew someone who at the time did identify as demisexual and so for her it was getting to know a person a lot better before like having any sorts of feelings of that kind mm -hmm. uh but i based off of what i've seen it can like differ from person to person the asexual spectrum is kind of part of the gray sexual spectrum it's just a specific section just like gray sexuality is a part of the sexual se spectrum there are like tons of terms for everyone and like anyone who identifies with them can but if they don't feel like they necessarily need to have a specific label mm -hmm. for that then that's fine too like honestly it's just having something that you're comfortable with and yeah. understanding that you are a person and you are not broken <laughs> It is very important to note that this is separate from being, like, aromantic. You can be asexual, but not aromantic, and vice versa. What being aromantic is, it means that you're, like, not interested in any romantic relationships of any kind. So, romantic and uh, sexual relationships, as I understand, are different, <laughs> uh, even if they can often be treated as the same in modern society. 
Fair enough. So I know that a common like misconception is that a lot of people think it's really weird that a person can feel sexually attracted without feeling romantically attracted. So as someone who, you know, does experience both attractions, I'll just kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. So sexual attraction, as the name implies, means that you want to be physically intimate with your partners. And some people who are asexual might show their affection through like hugs or kisses, but obviously sex and sexual acts are a lot more than that. So that feeling of, oh, that person is so hot and sexy right now, I want to take them to bed, I want to have sex with them, um, that's a very common example of, you know, a sexual thought, often known as, you know, if you are turned on or you want to do things because you feel the physical gratification, uh, those are also examples of sexual feelings. So anything along the lines of kinks or fetishes also tend to be sexual in nature and would fit into this category. Mm-hmm. Uh, romantic feelings, on the other hand, is like, oh my gosh, this person is so amazing, I love them so much, you know, and love happens in both sexual and romantic attraction, but the difference is like, mm -hmm. I want to marry them, I want to take them to the movies, I want to go on these amazing dates, and I get butterflies in my stomach um, when I'm around them, you know, time seems to slow down, the thoughts in my head get jumbled up. Going on those dates and romantic dinners, you know, holding hands, that tends to be the more romantic spectrum. So mm -hmm. basically the summary is like romantic, I want to marry, that kind of Disney couple vibe. <laughs> a lot of, you know, like, because Disney doesn't really want to go past the PG limit. So a wow. lot of the Disney relationships that you see, uh, while there are, you know, some sexual attractions and sexual innuendos in there, for the most part that is more of like the romantic um, attraction vibe versus sexual is like the I want to have intercourse or other like physically intimate usually experiences with. There is a difference between feeling, you know, part of that romantic relationship and just a sexual relationship. And then on the other hand, like, there's celibate relationships, like ones that are pushed by the church and, mm -hmm. like, uh, not to have, like, sex before marriage. That's kind of a common misconception where celibacy is not necessarily asexuality. So if one is asexual, they're not necessarily celibate for whatever reason, such as if they're sex positive or sex neutral, or if they did not know what asexuality was or that it was acceptable or anything like that. And being celibate doesn't necessarily mean that someone's asexual. They might still have urges to perform like sex, but they might just not act on them. Yeah. Being aromantic does not mean that I'm an emotionless robot. Oh, the media got that one wrong sometimes? Oh. Gee, who would have thought? I'll have you know that I have a whole five emotions. Five more than was what was expected, so. Yeah. Happy, sad, tired, saw a cute animal, and platonic love for my friends and family. And I've got to say, the saw a cute animal is a very strong emotion indeed. It is, yes. <laughs> Anyone who has met me knows this very well. <laughs> um, it, it is like an instant dog. Ah, daddy. <laughs> yeah. This leads to my next point where it doesn't necessarily mean I don't want to form any relationships whatsoever. I have a lot of like platonic and as a side note, platonic means like friendly, not sexual or romantic, but still like I love my friends, you know? So it's a relationship where it's like a friend. It's just I love my friends so Hi. much. Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> and so I like I absolutely adore my friends. I love them so much. And I'm like completely open to the prospect of living with like a good friend or multiple friends for like economic and social reasons because fair enough yeah because housing is expensive it is <laughs> um but i've never like truly understood the concept of romantic love people have told me and i'm like oh 
it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Okay. When, yeah. Whenever there are characters who would um like do something irrational or go back to like save their love interest, if it was through some sort of irrational means, you know, you'd always I'd be like. like uh, why are they doing this? And I'd have to say, well, it's for love. And you'd say, but why? And I'm like, I cannot tell you. <laughs> it's just this intuitive thing. <laughs> well, some things I would do for my friends, but sometimes I'm like, all right, guys, it's what's just a going little irrational. <laughs> so I was like, lucky to figure out pretty early. So I was probably in about eighth grade when a friend came out as bisexual to me. And she asked if I knew, like, what I was or if I identified with anything. And I personally said I didn't know and I just didn't feel attracted to anyone or anything. And she asked if I could possibly be like asexual. And I was obviously confused because I had never heard that term before. So once she had explained what it was, I felt that it kind of fit. Honestly, I hadn't really thought that much on sexuality and I didn't really think much on it like after that, probably the end of ninth or 10th grade. When I did, then I started looking into the experiences of other asexuals, mostly through memes, you know. Um, well, memes are the best way. <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of when I learned about what aromantic is. And I thought for a long time, actually, that that was not me. I was like, well, I'm probably not that. I honestly had no idea, <laughs> any idea. <laughs> well, but, I mean, often for people who are part of, like, LGBT, sometimes their terms can change, where you might be like, well, I identify as bisexual, and then you're like, never mind, I'm straight up gay. <laughs> or, yeah. you know, uh, through a different term, and sometimes it'll take years, if not decades, if not your entire life, to really figure that out. So it's not like it's, yeah. you know, always set in stone. And I think it also changes for some people. Yeah. Like, some people might feel like lesbian at one point and feel like they've never wanted any sort of relationship with a man and then later they're like oh I feel bi now or like something like that and then they might go nope still lesbian or nope definitely bi or yeah you know <laughs> so for a while I actually thought that I was homo romantic so this is basically I could have romantic feelings for women because I too am a woman I just kind of was vibing that way, you know? <laughs> but I've since come to the conclusion that I actually have not felt that way in any way, shape, or form, because I didn't really understand what romantic relationships were. You're like, oh, no, never mind. That's just, like, friendship sort of thing. I was like, oh, oh interesting. Oh, huh. So that's what romantic stuff is. Never mind. Yeah, that's not me. Yeah. And obviously, this could change uh, as I grow older. I feel differently. And I could choose to label myself as something else. And just because those feelings change doesn't mean that the labels were wrong or, like, just I was wrong in identifying that way. It's it's what you fit at the time. Yeah, it's what I felt at the time, and I chose to label myself as such. Changing them means that I'm growing and changing. Not everything needs to remain stagnant. I'll just talk a little bit about what it's like in general. So it's kind of like pretty interesting to me, because I actually don't have any clue as to the like flip side of how it feels to be sexual. I <laughs> I have no idea. Or romantic. I'm like, wow. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, no, we have a, a mutual friend who goes through all of these relationship dramas. And I'm like, wow. I, I mean, like, it's it's wild even for someone who does feel romantic and sexual attraction, but then for, you know, Dan, I know it's just why just like huh? What's why, going why, on? Why why do you why did you fall in love with someone in two hours? How did this happen? <laughs> um 
I feel like a lot of people do kind of remember a time when they didn't really feel any sexual urges. It's like you mentioned yeah. earlier, like, kids feel kind of, like, grossed out. That's weird yeah, and whatever. Yeah, no thanks. What's this feeling? I don't know. I don't... <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what <laughs> everyone else is feeling when they say I have a crush on someone or want to date someone or whatever. Or when people just gush about how, like, hot celebrities are and, like, people they see on the street. I'm like, hmm, wonder what's that. Wonder what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so as a personal observation, I've really noticed that you're you know, I think I talked about this a little bit earlier, but mm-hmm. confused about other people's actions and relationships of, like, why would this person get so angry and overprotective about a person doing, like, X, Y, and Z in a relationship, or why are they suddenly so stupid and tongue-tied? It's, that that's not just them being normal and socially awkward? Oh, I was just hoping we finally had a socially awkward character. Another interesting one uh, that you <laughs> asked me once was, what do people actually like about kissing, and what is the emotional experience of that? Like, why do people want to do it? <laughs> yeah, so I am constantly confused confused. I, like, that's just my normal state. I'm confused about everything and not just this, but I am always very confused about, like, the sexual and romantic relationships, and I'm very curious about, like, how that feels. I'm like, hmm, that's weird. Asking just, like, what do people like about kissing? It's just kind of, like, a thing where I'm like, why? I mean, like, people do it. They apparently get some sort of gratification out of it, but why would you go to, like, all of this effort just for, like, a kiss or something like that? What's the payoff? How do people, you know, feel about that? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird to me. And so it's like, I always am just confused about that sort of thing. <laughs> and I'm always like looking at people and I'm like, huh, that's weird. I personally have a lot of secondhand embarrassment. <laughs> so if I'm watching a TV show or something and then someone gets like super tongue tied, it gives me like, it makes me really embarrassed for them. I do kind of understand like being tongue tied because I do have social anxiety. I struggle to find like words sometimes because I'm just like that. And yeah, and so when you see that kind of happening on television, you don't necessarily register, oh, it's because he found this girl and it's, they're so beautiful and oh my gosh, you know. Well, usually uh, they do it really overtly, yeah. so like they'll do like a blush and then they'll be like obviously doing that, yeah. so I can usually figure that out, but it's just, I don't understand why you would do yeah. that. I'm like, wow, that's a human person, why would you have <laughs> difficulty talking to them? Or so. more so than other people, you know, like you were doing just yeah. fine with the previous guy why is this person any different it's like not a change in rank or anything like that so like huh haven't been like this with any other new people (laughs) Mm -hmm. i'm personally very open about my sexuality because i truly don't believe that there's anything wrong with it and i think that i exude enough confidence in myself and just lack of care what others think that no one's gonna like mention that something's wrong with it to me not not in our environment where we are now yeah no i also think that there are like many people who, if they do have a problem with it, they're not gonna, like, tell you directly. Since a lot of people, I think the majority of people, don't like confrontation, and so... They'd, they'd rather talk about you behind your back than talk about you to your face. <laughs> yeah, and I personally am pretty bad at picking up a lot of social cues, <laughs> especially if they're targeted at me. I probably won't notice if someone's bothered by it. The problem that comes with being very open about it is that I do have to explain it to everyone I come out to. And I do have an easy way to explain it. That's very simple. It makes sense to most people. I'm still just very tired of it. 
when you think about the LGBTQ acronym, uh, asexual doesn't really fit in there. So it tends to be one of the more hidden uh, sexualities in addition to a lot of people just don't know what that means. I mean, I've also heard like LGBTQA. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, And And then some people say, but A stands for ally. Yeah. (laughs) It always kind of miffs me that most people don't know if I just tell them offhand what it means. Yeah, fair enough. Pivoting a little bit, has anyone ever hit on you? And how did you deal with it? I mean, if you've used I'm arrow aces or responses, has anyone ever been confused or upset when you explain that you're asexual or do they think that you're lying and not telling the truth and oh, you'll find your feelings eventually, you just need the right guy or something like that? To be honest, I don't think anyone's ever like really hit on me. I would not notice if someone hit on me without like directly asking me out or anything. Um, so I probably would not notice and I, I'm just not that adept at picking up this sort of <laughs> cues. In seventh grade, I was asked to a dance. This was before I had any concept of being aromantic and or asexual. At the time, I just told myself that I just didn't want to date until at least college. So how I told them no was that I just told them that I like didn't like dances, which, which is very true. It, it's it's not a lie. You missed all the dances that I planned for our high school and like I'm half sorry. of the pep rallies. But <laughs> yeah, so it's not a lie. I've never had that sort of problem. And I mean, obviously, there are some you know arrow aces who do run into things like that, but mm-hmm. really, it boils down to personal experience. Yeah. So. Going off of that, based off of the way that, you know, you look and you dress, people very often confuse you as gay. And I know that uh, one time you were stereotyped as that by someone who was driving by. Um, <laughs> so does that ever get on your nerves? And how do you deal with that? Um, so to be honest, it doesn't bother me at all. A lot of people do actually tend to call me sir or just believe I'm a guy just like <laughs> at first glance. Because if you just look at me out of the corner of your yeah, eye. Especially from behind. It's yeah. like, oh yes, you know, like short hair, based off of the clothes and everything like that. Ah, yes, must be a teenage boy. (laughs) Yeah. Or a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) 12-year-old. I just find it, like, really funny, (laughs) Um, to be honest. Overall, I feel, like, more comfortable with people believing me to be lesbian than most anything else, because it's like I am part of the, like, LGBTQ plus community, and I don't feel like there's anything wrong with being perceived as gay. And so, like, if people perceive me that way, then I'm fine with that. And I'm, I'm generally, like, I'm fine with, like, explaining it and stuff. And I just, (laughs) I just find it kind of funny, you know? Yeah, you're very much more go with the flow. For a lot of people, it can be a very infuriating thing. It can feel very invalidating. But in a sense, there is definitely a positive and a benefit for you, like, especially emotionally, for just letting that kind of just roll off your back and, you know, not taking it to heart, which is, I mean, it's something that I, like, that's just how I deal with most things in life. I just kind of, like, accept things as they go, just because I don't care that much. I don't know. (laughs) Let's move on to, like, stereotypes. Because there are a lot of them. Yeah. (laughs) For romantic relationships, many asexual people who are not aromantic do want to be in a sort of partnership with someone else. But the difference is that they will likely have little to no sexual activity in their relationship. Uh, This also obviously depends on the people in the relationship and if they're, like, sex positive, sex negative, sex neutral. I'm not going to ask about those things because it's none of my business, really. Yeah, I know that if you do want, you know, those more hard concrete facts, there was a uh, 2015 study on ACEs 
that showed that only 25% of the respondents were also a romantic, which leaves, you know, 75% of people who do have uh, romantic attractions. And so about 24% were attracted to the opposite gender. So, you know, straight, if you will. And about 22% were actually attracted to multiple genders. So this was known as panromantic, but it could also be described as like biromantic or omniromantic or whatever label uh, that person feels like using. But basically, similar to bisexual, where you're attracted to two different kinds of people, um, or more, especially sexually, Mm -hmm. this is just taken in a solely romantic context. Yeah. Another stereotype is that aces or aromantic can't flirt. (laughs) Um, So I have some capacity of flirting, which, you know, I largely use jokingly to just make my friends laugh, because I think it's funny. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah, so like I call my friends like you, love and babe and hun, just kind of yeah, like... Yeah, and I mean, those can also be used outside of, you know, in just normal context, but when it comes to flirting, it's almost like an inside joke because it's like, I know you're not going to be attracted to like anyone, so it's kind of funny to see yeah. you act uh, in such a way. <laughs> yeah, so it's just... It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of like taking back that erasure power in a way. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of funny to me, you know? <laughs> so another is that... Aces slash arrows, like, they can't write romance. So personally, I can't write romance because I'm not actually interested in writing anything like that. So, like, I've never had any urge to try it at all, so I don't care enough to practice or try. (laughs) And personally, I can't figure out if someone's, like, conventionally attractive. The only way I can do that is just via, like, pattern recognition. (laughs) But I certainly find myself, like, blindsided. Sometimes when people are saying, like, how some actor's really hot or whatever, they just don't follow the patterns of what I normally see and, like, what people consider to be attractive. For instance, Benedict Cumberbatch. A yeah, lot of and, people yeah. consider him to be very attractive. And then I, when I heard this, I was shocked, I mean, baffled. I've got my own personal theories, but yeah, no, I, I, I can imagine that that would come as quite a shock. Regardless, just as, like, men would have trouble writing women and vice versa, um, it's not strange that some aces and arrows could write romance and just by having, like, spoken with many other people and heard from others. I mean, I know, uh, the example of the modern typewriter on Tumblr, uh, she actually wrote that she often doesn't necessarily go for the sexual tensions between characters that others pick up as she is asexual herself. But she does write what she finds to be really good chemistry between characters, and many people who do have sexual urges will interpret some of that chemistry as sexual tension, and as a personal fan, I definitely concur with that. She can write her characters very well, they can get into that sort of sexual tension situation very naturally, very easily, and Mm -hmm. overall it's really good writing. But that doesn't take away from the fact that she's, you know, asexual, and her asexuality doesn't take away from her ability to write really well. Yeah, and I think that there is definitely something to be said that she's probably, like, is not aromantic and thus, like, does know more what that's like and stuff. Obviously, this doesn't go for everyone. You know, there are people who have sexual and romantic feelings. Trying to put that down on paper is just not going to translate. Yeah. (laughs) It takes a lot of practice and, you know, sometimes even just a special mind and way of thinking in order to be able to do that, so. Another, um stereotype is that like we can't pick up when someone is flirting. I'm personally of the opinion that most people actually don't know this regardless. Of it their probably sexuality. goes over my head more times than I'd like to admit. <laughs> yeah. And I just know that I'm generally bad at picking up cues like that as I I've mentioned multiple <laughs> times on yes, this episode. But that is not that that is not because you're airways, but due to like That's just because it's reasons. me. Yes. <laughs> um There's also the stereotype that aces and arrows are broken. Like, shut up. (laughs) 
because of people like that, and sometimes I get a voice in my head that says that, and I'm like, go away. And I think of, like, memes and stories I've seen of other aces, and I'm like, alright, I am not alone. My people. Yes. But there's still far too much out there. Yeah. And, like, I know that a lot of people who are either of these do probably think that they're, like, broken. And I have read stories yeah. of people who did think that they were before oh, gosh. they Me too. realized what asexuality was. And that's why representation is so important, you mm-hmm. know, within the LGBTQ community. Because you have, you know, people who are asexual or, you know, even just bisexual, gay, transgender, any. Those are just the more common overarching types. But anyone who identifies as a more niche, like if you're gender fluid or maybe you identify as pansexual and not bisexual or something mm-hmm. like that, there's so little representation in so many of those categories and communities, basically none until like within the past decade or so, yeah. you were lucky, that it just, mm-hmm. you don't think that you're validated, you don't know if you're real and that what you're feeling is entirely valid, which it yeah. is. And it's also important to say that like knowing other people is mm-hmm. really important to knowing how that feels. For a very long time, I felt, like, kind of odd about it because I was the only ace that Mm -hmm. I knew. And, like, I've always been pretty comfortable with myself and I've had, like, just a very firm, just like, oh yeah, I'm me and no one can do anything about that. But the first time I really met someone else who was asexual, I felt, like, elated. I was (laughs) like, I'm not alone. I've obviously seen things online. But knowing someone in real life can help loads. Yeah. If asexuality is more known, then more people can know it's a possibility and then potentially, like, identify as such and then just, like, it's kind of, like, spreads more. Yeah. I know that, you know, we'll probably be covering a bit more about, you know, the damage that kind of repression of um, LGBTQ representation can do, you know, in someone's personal journey when I kind of talk about my journey in the LGBTQ community and Mm -hmm. how, you know, I came to my sexual orientation and the difficulties that I had to face coming out about that and really coming out to myself about that. But not having representation can be incredibly damaging, I know. Yeah. Even just in personal life, like having a friend who's, you know, like also ace or also bi or something like that can really just be a huge reassurance. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes people argue that a person is asexual or attracted to a certain gender uh, because of certain negative experience growing up, uh, whether it was a negative relationship with a parent, a romantic interest, etc. What would you say about this from an Arrow Ace perspective? Because I will be going into this from a bi perspective in, you know, my discussion about this. People can fight me on this. You know, like, as someone who, you know, has the bi experience and also knows people who are gay, who have had this stereotype pushed onto them, that is not the case. That is not true. It can be a partial contributing factor, but it did not change the fact that, just baseline, I was already bi before any of that shite happened. Yeah. (laughs) So... Yeah, for me, it's like I personally have never had any experience with sexual activity, positive or negative or otherwise. <laughs> Fair enough, you know, arrowways, sort of. Uh, yeah. I never went past the phase that children have where they find the concept of sex gross. I just didn't change. I didn't realize that everyone else yeah, was, was until just, everyone else it's was just like, always hey. Been, it's always been who you are. Yeah, it's you like know? I never started to feel like that changed. So pivoting a little bit, would you say that there's any Arrow Ace erasure within the LGBTQ community itself? I know that there are lots of people who want visibility of the LGBTQ plus community. And I agree, there are like far more of oh, the... Oh yeah, yeah it's, like, it's a sensible percentage, quite a few, you know, millions upon millions. Yeah. 
And so, like, there is far more of us than anyone expects or anything like that. But the thing is, even within this community, aromantics and asexuals are unknown, forgotten, or ignored. Yeah, I think you're part of the uh, trifecta of, you know, kind of those erasexualities. And I know bisexuality is technically a part of that, and there definitely is a lot of bi-erasure going on. But coming from a bi perspective towards your ace perspective, I definitely think that there's a lot more erasure yeah. within arrow ace than there is within bisexuality. Because, I mean, the B often gets, you know, misstereotyped. Some people like to say that it's for uh, black. Um, your, your, your race has absolutely nothing to do with if you are uh, gay or lesbian or bisexual. It does not. I have seen some people who have made that misconception. So some people do uh, like to erase bisexual and bisexual culture, which again, mm -hmm. I'll be going into in a later discussion. But I definitely yeah. think that not being part of that acronym in the beginning, <laughs> as well as being that lesser known, you know, I think you guys do face a bit more. Yeah. And I know that this can be frustrating just in general for me a little yeah. bit. And like a good example of this is with the Greek mythological figure Artemis. Artemis is the ancient Greek goddess of the hunt. and She led a band of other girls who were expected not to marry or have sexual relationships. In fact, one of her domains is actually virginity. So in a lot of ways, I've always been like really blown away by this because it's just like, I just love that she's like a popular figure who has been known for many many years and is still very well known in the west exactly um, yeah i mean like great and, gods and she's one of the more prominent ones yeah and one was one of the prominent ones when people actually genuinely did believe mm -hmm. in the ancient greek gods the problem becomes i've seen lesbians try and claim her and her followers and so the thing is i completely understand the appeal of trying to claim that they're like one of yours um, and, I mean, there's already so much erasure going on that it's yeah. like, you will take what you can get. Uh-huh. It's <laughs> totally understandable. Especially since there are so few lesbian characters mm -hmm. in stories such as this. However, <laughs> in this case, it is at the expense of another community who has even fewer characters <laughs> to look up to who share your sexuality. Yeah. I tried research on this. It was very sparse. <laughs> yeah. And I totally understand that it was not intended that way. But it's still kind of frustrating to me, just because I personally feel like that's just kind of like erasing us even further, even yeah. though we're already kind of erased I mean, and like, stuff. I know that gay erasure is a thing, and probably one of the next well-known, um, as well as like trans erasure and that sort of thing, is mm -hmm. bi erasure in particular. Yeah. Um, where people try and straight wash things, and that's been a huge problem in the media for years. But something that's kind of less well-known is also, you know, things like arrow ace erasure, and yeah. you know, washing that out. And you guys have so many fewer examples that, you know, it's literally not as prominent because you guys don't even have that many characters to begin with. So yeah. when it happens, it's, it's a big deal. Because of this, I would like to take this time to thank Rick Riordian, writer of the Percy Jackson series and many more, for his portrayal of Artemis and her band of hunters. Um, this is from, like, one of his newer series called Trials of Apollo. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I haven't read all of these books. <laughs> I've read, like, one and a half? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but as well as the entire Percy Jackson series and yeah. all of those others where, you know, not as big of a mention there, obviously, uh -huh. compared to Apollo. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, he did not explicitly write the terms aromantic or asexual, but he did mention in one of his books that there were two women who were formerly hunters who had fallen in love and wanted to be together. Thus meaning that they had to leave the hunters because they violated the code of the hunters, basically. Yeah, they no longer wanted to adhere to the code of the yeah, hunters. Yeah, that would be a better way to put it. 
I personally really loved this edition because he showed a very comfortable lesbian relationship, as well as upholding the idea that Artemis really is aromantic and asexual because she does hold that line and holds it firm. I am very <laughs> thankful for that, so <laughs> thank you, Mr. Riordian. We stand. <laughs> I think I can put in kind of a metaphor for my experiences. I think that a good metaphor would be other languages. I do speak a couple languages to varying degrees of fluency. Yeah, like you've got French, you've got Dutch, obviously English. Yeah. But if I hear someone talking in an unfamiliar language, such as Chinese or Cherokee or Arabic or even Spanish or Italian, I don't understand them at all. Fair enough. However, I do know that they are speaking and that they understand one another. And I completely respect that. And I honestly, it isn't really my business to know what they're talking about unless they're talking to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Unless they're trying to force their language upon you as well. Yeah. People can translate languages into ones that I understand well enough, but there always will be things that won't quite translate over because there are, like, mm -hmm. some things that are intrinsically brought in with the language and the culture yeah, that it comes like with. like different phraseologies and different, you know, notions and emotions and feelings that go around those. Yeah, and, like, there and are... the connotations, yeah. There are untranslatable words, and so, like, you'll never quite have the same understanding of something as you would if you knew the language. Like, sometimes I have some trouble, like, describing things in another language because it just doesn't translate quite right. Yeah. My experience with being aromantic asexual is that I understand that people feel sexual feelings and romantic feelings, and people have explained it to me and kind of, like, all that stuff, mm -hmm. but there will always be kind of a barrier to yeah. my understanding. There, there's a lack of that intrinsic knowledge that, you know, mm -hmm. keeps you from knowing exactly what the feeling is and exactly what's being tried to be conveyed. So now I thought we could go into kind of facts and questions. So um, one thing that I will ask is that if there was one thing that you could have anyone know about asexuality or aromanticism, what would that be? To be honest, I just, I just want them to be known as like <laughs> terms, you know? Like I know that there would be stigma against it and like there would be There's problems. always stigma. Yeah. Similar to how gay, lesbian, and even bisexual are very widely known. It would be so nice, because I am so tired of explaining it to anyone I come out to. And, like, I'm not afraid to come out to people. But the process is exhausting nonetheless. Yeah, and it's like, I don't blame them for not knowing it. Mm -hmm. But it's just sometimes I'm just so tired of having to mm -hmm. explain it. It makes me, like, weary to my bones. Yeah, it's like, do I want to come out and have to explain all of this today? Uh, <sighs> fine. <laughs> Yeah. We're all like mention something offhand and then they're like, huh? And I'm like, oh, oh crap, we got into this one, didn't we? Another question that I have are, you know, this is a little personal, but what are your thoughts on having children, whether they're genetically yours or adopted? So as it stands now, I currently do not want children. And this is not because I don't like children, nor is it because I'm like asexual or aromantic. It's just because I am scared. <laughs> um, just the prospect of raising, like, an entire human being is just so terrifying to me. Like, I am not responsible at all. <laughs> Why would you give me an entire child? No. It is possible that this mentality will change as I grow older, but I'm sure that there are aces who adopt children or have them because that's what they want, and I fully support them just as there are people who, um... Don't, you know? Like, you can yeah. have sexual and romantic attraction and not want kids. Yeah, because a, a lot thing, of people I promise. do. <laughs> 
Yeah. So are there any slurs or names that are negatively associated with being Arrowace? I don't think so. It's kind of- None that you've really been called. Um, Yeah. And it's also like, I, it's just, it's not super well known. When you're too erased to even have negative terms. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I suppose like prude or robot would kind of fit that category, but it's kind of like, that can also be applied to people who are not asexual or aromantic, so it's kind of like, okay. Another question would be, when you talk about asexuality, sometimes the term allosexual is thrown out. So what is that? It's basically just having sexual attraction to others not being asexual. It's usually applied to people who are not on the gray sexual scale, so like demisexual people are usually not going to be referred to as allosexual. Fair enough. But I, on the other hand, would be I am allosexual, you know. Yeah. So another question is, how has being arrowace affected your perception of gender identity? I personally don't really feel like any sort of like attachment to gender or anything like that. I'm not going to like change my pronouns or name or whatever because I'm like actually really lazy. And it's also like I don't really care very much what people call me. Like if people call me like he, she, they, it doesn't matter. If someone calls me sir, I don't actually like correct them. I'll just be like, all right. People freak out when they when I talk to them because <laughs> I have the voice of a 12-year-old, but... It's like, oh, never mind. <laughs> They're like, oh, God. I'm like, huh? <laughs> Honestly, I think that, like, without any sexual attraction to anyone at all, it's just kind of weird to have delineations between the genders. For me, it's like, I'll respect other people's genders because I respect their choices and it's like it, if that's what you want to be called and stuff I'm fine with that I'm not about to like tell you you can't do that yeah, because I mean, gender doesn't to exist. a lot of people pronouns are very personal things and so I know yeah. that to a lot of people especially people in the trans community it can be very damaging to be you know misgendered um mm-hmm. whether accidentally or especially on purpose but. yeah but I personally just don't really care very much just as long as I'm treated as a person I'm good with it I just think that like respecting what other people want because it's like it's not that hard it's not gonna like bother me you know like you know, that's totally fair. it might be slightly more difficult to remember to say they instead of he or she or if you change your pronouns it might kind of take a little bit for me to like kind of but the important part is that you're trying and you respect yeah. what they identify as and you know mm-hmm. their gender identity which is honestly yeah. i think the most important part is that you know the effort is being made mm-hmm. i just go with what's going on i'm like well it's <laughs> just how it be today so, as a personal note, I know that there are very few celebrities who are Arrow Ace, really none that I personally recognized, and there are only a handful in literature. So I know that there's a character from uh, Shadowhunters, and also two from Bojack Horseman, as well as uh, Peridot from Steven Universe, actually, who are all asexual. But I know that most of these characters do have romantic feelings, so, you know, they have some romantic orientation, but they are asexual. So... I know I would personally advocate for more Arrow Ace characters, you know, especially characters who are maybe aromantic but not asexual. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just my personal take, and again, I'm not Arrow Ace. Like yeah. You, so. <laughs> so, like, I also notice this a lot, and this is actually why I feel so defensive of Artemis as an icon. Because yeah. it's just, there are so few asexual and aromantic people and characters. Especially going back in history. Yeah, and it's just, it's not well known, you know? Mm-hmm. If it were not so unknown and just yeah, like there if, was, if there wasn't such little representation, yeah, then I would have much less of a problem when people try to code her as a lesbian. It would be really nice to see more characters in the media who are on the gray sexual scale and such. 
progress is currently like slow going and there's a lot mm-hmm. of resistance and it's just harder when a lot of people just don't know what it means. Mm-hmm. But I truly do hope that as more LGBTQ plus characters in the media like come about, people do begin to make more characters who are asexual and aromantic. To kind of turn the question here, have you ever been asked questions that felt, you know, invasive or broaching on your personal boundaries? And going off of that, like, what are some questions that you probably shouldn't ask in Arrowace right off the bat? Like, I've honestly never been asked those sorts of like personal questions That's which fair. honestly i'm very impressed with because i am like not at all squirrely about it i'm fair. just like well time to come out today <laughs> i think with the broaching personal boundaries and stuff it's usually like if you would not ask this question in front of just about everyone or to just about everyone reconsider whether yeah. you should ask it in general and it I mean, also depends on yeah. how well you know someone, yeah. like, if it's just... Like, and what they're comfortable with, too, you know? Yeah, but I think that it's important to note that, like, if you don't know someone very well, then for the most part, it's not really any of your business. Yeah. Like, whether they've had any, like, sexual experience or anything like that. A lot of the questions that are rude and invasive are actually, like, pretty common to anyone who's in the LGBTQ plus community. If you wouldn't ask that to someone who you know is straight, don't ask it to... To someone who's arrowy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I know a good rule of thumb that I try and use is if you wouldn't be comfortable um, being like, ask that question, don't ask it. Yeah. <laughs> Generally. And a good forum to use is, as unreliable as it can sometimes be, the internet. The internet can give you a great baseline on a lot of things, or, you know, things like, you know, say this podcast for the more general questions. Because mm-hmm. there are some people who are more open about it and can give the more general experience or a personalized, you know, uh, anecdotal experience. And other people aren't as comfortable with that, so. Yeah. Regardless, I'm like really lucky that I never had any issues with that sort of thing. And honestly, if you want to just ask some questions that maybe we didn't cover, and as long as they're respectful, then you can just send them to us on the Twitter and I'll do my best to respond to them. Uh, And since we're wrapping up, then I will finally do a shout out to all the friends whom I annoyed (laughs) about. Reviewing the script uh, took quite a while. (laughs) Yeah. So, because I asked them questions, um, so, because I wanted to make sure to include as much information as possible about what it's like to be aromantic and asexual and what it means, and I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss anything that I feel is obvious, Mm -hmm. but maybe other people don't. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Mm Mm-hmm.